Good evening, world. This is the podcast, Asterisk, and your host, Asterisk Cattell, welcoming you back to the Miracle Club from Mitch Horowitz. We went a little long yesterday, but uh, as any time I go a little bit longer than I'm anticipating, I try and make it worth it. Lots of extrapolation, lots of explanation, lots of really neat detail and discernment necessary between what we learn from Mr. Dooley and what we're learning from Mr. Mitch Horowitz. And yesterday we went over um, the discrepancies and the differences between the two uh, styles of thought on this particular type of subject. And I'm going to go back over that letter really quick. And for anyone that's just tuning in, I want to give you heads up okay so the letter was written by a woman to a um, dr murphy where was it okay there it is um and he wanted to basically explain that some writers really amp up their promises and up until recently of course we've had much more uh, studies on the mind and how, what the mind is capable of, how it interacts with reality and the body and all that sort of stuff. But by, way back when, they would fudge it a little bit. And a lot of them, if you're not very careful, promised that all you had to do was just think. Positive affirmations, visualizations, all that kind of thing. As he puts it, fairy dust to open up the storehouses of heaven. And he recently discovered a cache of letters that had been sent to publisher of New Thought Pioneer, Joseph Murphy, who died in 1981. It's a really quick letter, but it's the response Mitch really wishes he'd had the opportunity to send. And we went over it because it was basically a three-stage response. And it's something that I want you to have in your headspace as we're going forward into today's as we are starting chapter three after we do this real quick recap which is simply titled but most magnificently titled ye are gods we're starting off with ralph waldo emerson on that chapter so letter to mr murphy mr james murphy joseph murphy excuse me hold on okay goes like this. Mr. M- Dear Mr. Murphy, I keep reading your book, Infinite, P- Your Infinite Power to Be Rich, so much that it is falling apart, and I still haven't reached my goal of receiving abundance. I feel that I must be doing something wrong, so that I can't break this poverty syndrome. I keep saying these wonderful affirmations, but I think I neutralize them, because I don't believe I deserve wealth of any kind. I would like to be financially secure, so that I never have to worry about money again. I would like good, supportive relationships and a soulmate. Somehow I got the impression from my youth that I didn't deserve anything because I'm no good. Please help me get out of my poverty. Sincerely, and he does not include the person's name. Now, if you've been paying attention decently long enough, what is the two screaming problems we had in just that short admission right there? One... I don't believe I deserve wealth of any kind. And two, somehow I got the impression from my youth that I didn't deserve anything because I'm no good. 
Now, if you've been following along with this kind of stuff for a while, and you understand mindset, and you understand manifestation, the frequencies, and the all the other little accoutrement that goes with it to make manifestation more plausible, more possible, more controllable, more reliable, you'll understand that those two admissions right there are what was keeping her from doing anything meaningful. But it's Mitch's response that I want everyone to realize because if you are listening to this podcast, you fall within this first paragraph's category yourself. The response is this. First of all, I want to assure you of something, and I want you to remember this for the rest of your life. You are not only good, you are exceptional. You are a leader among people and a part of the nobles of the human race. This is for the simple fact that you have taken steps that so few people even consider. Striving to heighten your place in life, engaging in inner development, and caring enough about such things to take the time to write a letter to an author whose work touched you. Now, most people never write one letter in their entire lives. Most never read a single book, attend a single lecture with the aim of raising their sense of self-potential. So please, let us lay that childhood myth immediately to rest. You are exceptional, and this is a fact. I'm going to pause right there because I want to reiterate, anybody listening to this podcast right now, you fall in that category. Because sadly, and the reality is, and you can probably watch this as you look on TV and how many people fawn over the Kardashians and the glitz and the glamour rather than taking the time to engage in their own their own self, their own worth, their own the, the they're they're watching the type of information they take in and they're making sure it does them better. There's a huge percentage of the population that doesn't even bother to try. They don't bother to try. Okay, so if you are listening to this podcast, like this poor person that wrote a letter to someone that had been dead for a decade, you are exceptional. You have taken steps to heighten your place in life, to grow yourself internally, to engage in inner development, and you care enough about such things to engage in other forms of learning, growing, knowing, and finding out for yourself, proper context. You are exceptional. You listening to this, please don't believe yourself otherwise. And he goes on to say, I love Joseph Murphy's work, but I believe that sometimes saying an affirmation, even with depth of feeling, is not enough. The most remarkable people in history, from Joan of Arc to Mahatma Gandhi, led lives of devotion and action. They were ardently committed to affecting things in the world. Whatever your employment 
Throw yourself into it with passion. Be aware of everything that you can do for your bosses, co-workers, and customers. Be the problem solver to whom others look for help and advisement. Know more about your job than everyone else. Not in a know-it-all way, but with the aim of providing service and doing your personal best. Expect and respectfully require good wages for your good work. Join a union if you are able and support activists and leaders who defend the rights of workers. But above all, be the person upon whom be the person upon whom all others rely. Author James Allen was a working class Englishman who rose from a childhood of poverty to a writing career, largely through his dignity of character and his dogged and intelligent persistence. We explore his life in a later chapter. I urge you to read his book, As a Man Thinketh. And when you do, remember that his words and ideas weren't the work of someone famous or wealthy. They came from a working man who had tested them in the laboratory of his own life. Also, please read Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, which is useful because it combines a program of mental metaphysics with a plan of action. Alright. So many people don't quite understand the importance of those two things right there. One, to have a plan of action. I'm not going to read the rest of the... Um, rather, read the rest of the letter. You can go back and listen to it yesterday. Alright. Where he's talking about work here... All right, whatever your employment, throw yourself into it with passion. Be the problem solver. Know more about your job than anyone else, okay? These were things I grew up with understanding. And it seems to be really lost nowadays with all the different distractions that are out there. But that primes you. All right, when you learn as much as you can about a business and you're hungry and you're passionately trying to put forth the best job that you can do, once you have learned all of the intricacies and the ins and outs of whatever job that is, no matter how shitty, that primes you to go and do something else because you're learning skills that you can then take and apply in other places. All right, I spent 15 years professionally cooking, I promise you. It teaches me, it taught me skills that helps me greatly in other areas of my life other than just cooking. Alright? Once you do that, when you do that, it develops more than just the skill sets necessary for the job. It also develops in inner certitude, confidence. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not innovation. Hold on a second. There we go. Initiative. All right. You're a self-starter. You're hungry to learn, and so you're not needing to be babysat as much. Those types of skills, being in it, taking initiative, having the the, the personal uh, understanding, to go and learn as much on your own as you can, and putting forth the best that you can. You can take that into any single profession and rock it. 
Alright, you will outpace people that have been doing that damn thing for 20, 30 years if that's the attitude that you go start with. Because you will learn more than they have. Okay? And then when you get the, the bootstraps up to go start your own business, those skills will further aid you when you do so. Okay? And then, of course, I wanted to highlight his two book recommendations. So, James Allen and his book, As a Man Thinketh. And the reason why he specifically mentions that book is because he, he is a rags-to-riches. He's a genuine rags-to-riches story. He started off poor and made himself a career as a writer. And then, of course, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Now, if anybody knows um, the backstory to Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, Andrew Carnegie commissioned Napoleon Hill to spend 20 years of his life dedicating to learn from the top leaders in the game. That was his Andrew Carnegie's challenge to Napoleon Hill, and that's where he got the book Think and Grow Rich from, is he interviewed all of these other genuine rags-to-riches type of personalities. Not just from the United States, of course, this was back when the United States was still forming and becoming and expanding and all those things. He got to interview titans of industry. And to his surprise, quite a few of them had started with nothing. Nothing. They came to America with nothing in their pocket, maybe the clothes on their backs. So to go back and read those two books, As a Man Thinketh and Think and Grow Rich, are really good baseline understandings of what is possible even when you have nothing. So, we are going to start off chapter 3. I've gone a little bit uh, farther than I wanted to to start off. And before, of course, I go any farther, my shout out to the restaurant industry. All my guys and gals out there in Foodland, thank you for all you do. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for all you're still going through. My goodness. And if you're feeling too stressed and too overwhelmed and like you can't take it anymore, please, please don't do something you can't take back. This is not your final chapter. This is not the end of your book. This is one chapter in it. Don't give up. Please don't give up. Don't give up. Alright. <clears throat> chapter 3. Ye are gods. Transcendentalist philosopher Ralph Waldo Emerson A philosophical visionary more complete than any other this nation has produced Identified two components to attaining personal power <clears throat> One is to drill And by this he meant training, rehearsal, education The repeated application of a skill over and over the way a martial artist never stops working his routines. Um, and the other is concentration. By this he meant you must target the energies of your training at a narrowly fixed aim. Like a pilot rehearses landings over and over so that he can guide his plane, safety, plane to safety in any conditions. A marksman aims at a bullseye. A dancer trains his or her body to respond to choreography and rhythm and to have second nature command over fundamental movements. So, drilling, right? 
repetition, 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 repetition. To do a thing over and over and over again until it becomes a muscle memory. That is to drill. Okay? Uh, same thing with, like, when you're becoming a doctor or, or a surgeon and, you know, learning how to suture or take blood or, um, you know, cook a steak properly or, you know, when you're a cook or, uh, you know, how to swing a hammer so that you, you, you only have to get it, like, on one or two swings when you're doing construction. Obviously, you don't have to use a hammer anymore now. They have nail guns, but, all right, the repetition until it becomes a muscle memory that is worked confidence all right you are instilling in your body the inherent know-how so that you don't have to think about it you just do in any situation in any climate in any culture in any controlled environment okay by this but excuse me but the cycle of drilling and concentration emerson wrote is predicated by a more basic trait Physical health. Without physical health, nothing is possible. And by health, he did not mean the absence of disability, but rather the capacity to perform and act without chronic illness diverting your mind and will. If you lack wellness, your pursuit of corrective health will likely require almost all of your energies. Excuse me. Not wrong in that one, right? So, because that's inevitably what happens. If you're already sick, you're not feeling well, you have some sort of chronic disease or whatnot, depending on its severity, when you're starting to manifest, when you're trying to manifest, that, whatever it is, takes up the forefront of all your thoughts. You think of nothing other than, I don't want to be sick anymore, this is really draining me, I just want to be better, get this thing out of me, I just want to be well. Right? So, you know, uncomfortable truths there. This is a tough and unavoidable condition of life. This is why, from the healing ministry of Christ through the advent of the mental healing movement in the mid-19th century New England, virtually every expression of a spiritually based path to self-realization and refinement has been predicated on recovery and health. So let us ask plainly, can positive mind metaphysics cure illness? Mm. This is an urgent matter to many people. I wish I could offer a simple affirmative answer or reassurance. I cannot. No honest dealer can. But I can offer insight that brings some perspective to the matter and, I hope, maximizes your chances of wellness. And before we go any farther on this particular bit of the, of the book, I want to rem remind you of some of the extraordinary tales that we heard when we went over the secret. All right? Guy that got into a horrible accident and was basically paralyzed walking out of the hospital. We learned of someone who used the power of manifestation or principles of manifestation to reverse their arthritis to reverse the uh, degradation in their eyesight. So, mm. and there's one, one, and I, I hesitate to use this one, that used it to cure her own cancer. Those are standouts. This is not an endorsement to just use this 
in place of medicine and regular medical routine. Okay? So... Just before we go any farther, I wanted to point that out. It is possible. We just haven't been able to really nail down the specifics of how that is possible so that it can be repeatable. As such, right now, it's still one-offs. And we're not quite sure how they were able to do it. Because we haven't been able to really replicate the conditions. It's all entirely based on someone's internal belief structure, which as we've gone over belief ends up being really, really powerful. It eclipses our logic centers, okay? Belief overrides logic. That's how powerful it is. So when you can in... I don't want to put this. When you can develop a belief strong enough, it will literally instruct your body to heal itself. And it has done so throughout history it's just figuring out that unlock key to get it to do so that's the tricky part so just wanted to put that out there before we go farther one of the mo okay so going on <clears throat> one of the most alluring and provocative passages in scripture is from psalm 82 6 through 7 ye are gods but ye shall die as princes for generations, new thoughters have embraced the first part and remained mute about the second. But you cannot have the fruit without the pit. The pit is the seed for new fruit, or expanded realization. It does not mean abrogating the metaphysical search to knowledge that we operate within physical limitations. This fact is made overly complex by some new thought writers who make needlessly ponderous and unfireable claims that we exit at the perfectly appointed moment. Have they ever visited a cancer ward? Or that all health is subjected to one mental superlaw, which is ours to wield like a potter's wheel. This is unsupportable. We exist under many laws and forces, including physical decline and eventual demise. Ye shall die as princes. We are potential princes, but we dwell in fragile and temporary palaces. So, can positive mind therapeutics help cure illness? Is there hope? Yes. Firstly, we live in an era of almost miraculous new findings in the field of placebo studies. Researchers from previous generations even those who experienced the bounding growth of placebo science following World War II could not have fathomed the surge of insights being, being experienced in the 21st century. Okay, so before we go any farther. Alright. The only issue I have is this. Okay, so where Mr. Horowitz here is ex exclaiming the physical reality laws that we currently live under. He doesn't go beneath to the energy that connects everyone. So, Mitch is explaining, as best as I can understand, the absolute... How do I want to put this? 
how to work the laws of manifestation within the physical reality that we inhabit, which does have its own laws, its own um, extraordinary things, uh, laws, forces, physical decline, eventual demise, that kind of thing, right? Mr. Dooley's postulation and extrapolation goes so much further than that to the underlying cause of it all where Mitch is concentrating more on the physical ramifications and physical reality that we must interact with within that diaspora. So I just wanted to put that out there before we go any farther because I'm liking what Mitch is saying but I don't think he's allowing himself to go far enough but we'll see how 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 we get there and if we go if we do go there any farther in the book so continuing he has some bullet points here for uh insights that he's saying we've learned in the 21st century okay so in july 2002 researchers in the new england journal of medicine reported the effective effectiveness yeah, of placebo surgery participants from the houston veteran affairs medical center received mock arthritic knee operations involving just a benign incision and experienced substantially similar rates of relief, vastly reduced recovery time as patients excuse me, who received standard invasive arthritic knee surgery. Researchers have speculated that the placebo response might be the only cause for reported relief in such operations. Okay. Not not a pill. Actual surgery. So they made it, they put the person under, they made an incision, they woke him back up and said, alright, you're done. And they didn't tell him that they didn't do anything. They waited to see what would happen. Yes, is that a lawsuit, you know, in in the works? Possibly. Um, they probably had to sign sign some sort of sort of a form. But that gives you an idea. Okay, this isn't this goes much more beyond the placebo pill, the sugar pill that you're getting to see if that works for you. This is mock surgery. And they're still reporting positive side effects. That's how powerful the mind is. So continuing. In 2010, Harvard Medical School researchers conducted an unprecedented honest placebo study in which an openly sham pill Bought, brought lasting relief to sufferers of IBS, or Irritable Bowel Syndrome. Subjects knew they were receiving an inert subject substance, yet 59% reported relief, compared to 35% in the control group. What was happening? It may be that a patient's belief in the very possibility of mental therapeutics is sufficient to enact the self-healing response. Okay. Not just they didn't know what it was, they told them ahead of time. And they still had a nearly 60% positive rate. That's astounding. Another Harvard Medical School study in 2014 reported that migraine sufferers experienced improved results from their prescriptions when they were supplied with positive information about a drug. This suggests that the placebo effect is always operative working not only in conjunction with inert substances, but also affecting a patient's experience of traditional drugs and therapies. So by explaining that the drug did all of this stuff, meant what? They expected the drug to do all of this stuff, which meant, which translated into, in this study, 
a higher degree of effectiveness from the drug versus the control group that weren't told anything about the drug. Okay. What do we always say? Expectation drives manifestation. They expected the drug to do all of these things. Now, again, we still don't understand why it only worked, again, in the 2010 study, 60% of patients, right? Why it doesn't work for everyone, but it does work for a very high percentage. All right, so in 2007 study, Harvard psychologist Ellen Langer reported that hotel maids experienced weight loss and reduced blood pressure when taught to understand that their daily work routine had significant aerobic benefits. Once these facts were established, within four weeks, subjects lost weight without changes to their work habits or personal lives, and compared to no changes in a control group. So just by telling them, hey, by the way, you know, the work that you're doing is actually aerobic in nature, and by you just doing your job, you actually are going to lose weight. And then they lost weight. Ponder that one, okay? And in, in other studies by Langer, these the subject of later controversy, but their results never fundamentally refuted. Elderly subjects experience physical and mental improvements, including in, increased strength and flexibility, recovered memory and cognitive function, and improved mood and vitality. When immersed in nostalgic settings, filled with stimuli from their youth, including vintage books, music, and movies. Settings that evoked feelings of youth actually seemed to summon the reappearance of youthful traits, extending even to improved eyesight. Basically what he put in there that they was subject to later controversy is that somebody challenged it, but they couldn't prove that the that her findings were in fact false. So it still hangs up in the air. The challenge is still there, but they can't prove otherwise. And then finally, and of course there's many, many more. These are just a couple of bullet points he added for uh, context. Clinicians writing in August 2016 in the research journal Nature Medicine reported that by stimulating the reward system in the brains of mice, in which a payoff is anticipated, they strengthened the animal's, remune, me, the animal's immune responses. These findings suggest that even a generalized state of positive expectancy may have immunological benefits and also identify a key link, reward anticipation, in the action of the placebo response. So basically, reward anticipation, right? The expectation that there is going to be some sort of reward for doing whatever the thing is. So let's say um, I'm being told to do 20 squats and your butt will look fantastic. I'm going to expect, you know, based on whatever other type of context is um, providing, so let's say I'm getting this information from a doctor or from an expert or somebody I believe consider an authority. Oh yeah, absolutely. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to do 20 squats every single day for the next 30 days. Your butt will look fantastic. By the statistics and the experiments that have been done on placebos and the placebo effect on the mind, 
I stand a 60% chance or greater of that actually happening whether or not the physical workout produces that result or not. All right, four of these studies that I just mentioned prove what I have been saying. Expectation drives manifestation. In a greater number of people, now again, we still don't understand why the other percentage doesn't. But I'll still take a 60-40 chance over zero, all right? That's, that's a really good, really good return on my endeavor, especially when the endeavor itself is just hot, okay? And again, I will remind you, they did an honest placebo study. They told them outright that it was an inert substance, and they still, 60% still reported relief. They knew it was fake, and it helped anyway. Alright? I just want you to understand, just by, just by those, I mean, there's hundreds more. There are hundreds more. I mean, honestly, by this point, I think there's, you know, many thousands more. But understand how many of these studies that there are just touches the surface of how powerful your mind truly is. The only commentators who truly have no idea what is happening in this field are those who are certain that they know what is happening. The one certainty we can derive from the new findings in placebo science is that the energies of the mind play a greater and more varied role in health than clinicians previously realized. The data stream allows us to document this phenomenon, but not fully explain it. The common denominator in all placebo experiments is the presence of hopeful expectancy. Whether this arrives through moral support, credible encouragement, education, religious belief, anticipation of reward, or a combination of all those, the arousal of expectancy is the catalyzing event. Belief is the fee of actualization. And I'm going to leave it off there because we're getting a little bit farther, but... This is where we tie into all the other thought leaders out there on the baseline. Expectation drives manifestation, and belief is the catalytic factor. Okay? Belief is what overrides logic. You can learn as much as you want to, but if you believe something differently, it doesn't matter how much... All right, you can put articles... Uh, experiments, journals, uh, experts, it doesn't matter in front of a person. If they believe to the opposite, they won't believe anything those people are saying. That's how powerful belief is. And in a lot of situations, that's a fantastic thing. It helps us to push forward. It helps us to overcome. It helps us to have hope when times feel hopeless. And in other times, it help, it prevents us from learning things that we really should. Not that I'm dissing or denigrating on belief at all. No, 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 no. But that to impress upon you that no matter what field of manifestation that you are engaging in, right? He is, Mr. Mr. Horowitz over here is engaging in the physical realities. Um, Rhonda Byrne and Mike Dooley 
and I'm gonna off the cuff say a couple of others, but I'm I'm gonna hold off saying their names until I actually read some of their work so I can say yeah your name. Alright. It's universal so far in all the readings that I have done are those two things. Expectation drives manifestation and belief is the fundamental catalyst. Alright, if you don't believe it will work, it won't work. Period. But he makes a very good, how we say, statistical point. And that it's not perfect. I would, I would argue that whatever it is you're trying to manifest, because of physical realities, because of your differences in belief, your perspectives, that which you expect to happen, um, all the things you've gone through in your life that have informed your decision making up to this point, all right, when you start manifesting, depending on what it is you're manifesting, you stand between a 60 to 75% chance of getting that thing. That's nothing to sneeze at. Now, it's not perfect. And again, we still have no idea why it doesn't work for the other 20 to 30%. Okay? We're getting closer. Haven't quite figured it out yet. But again, you don't necessarily need to figure out on your end all the different points, right? You just need to know how to work it. And if it doesn't work the first time, switch it up a little, see if something else works, okay? Everybody has a different belief trigger. Alright, for some people, uh, for the same reason why everyone has different ways that they learn, okay? Some people are tactile, some people are audio, some people are visual. Um, it's all different. And for the same reason, some people, uh, yeah, some people, um, most people, almost everybody has different belief triggers. All right. If I were to tell a devout Roman Catholic to go and, uh, pray to Allah, which is the same person, technically, they will absolutely look at you like you have gone insane. But if I tell them to pray to God... They will happily do so. Different belief triggers. Okay? You have to work within your own belief structure system to start. Before you can start ascending past and overcoming maybe the beliefs that you have learned up until this point that aren't serving you very well. So we're going to continue that tomorrow. Uh, lots of fan fascinating stuff that we've learned today. I love it when uh, people provide actual real-world examples and studies. That that makes me so happy. So, so happy. So, I hope I've given you enough to ponder and some actual numbers to, you know, rummage around in your head. Maybe you want to go Google search other placebo studies and see what their results are tonight. Okay? Fascinating stuff. And we'll come back there tomorrow. And so, go ahead and do a little wiggle and get in a little stretch. And we will do our two-minute brain break. I'm going to get another sip of water because allergies. Go ahead and close your eyes. 
And let's take a nice, deep, nourishing breath. walking along the beach, feeling the sand in between your toes and how warm it is as you're walking, feel the water as it rushes over your feet, take a nice deep breath and smell the sea air. Looking out over the water, I want you to have this one thought in your head. I made it. I finally made it. All the heartbreak, all the struggle, all the obstacles, all the adversity, everything I had to overcome, I am now standing where I've always wanted to be. Feel all the emotions that come with that thought process.
And when you're ready, open your eyes. Alrighty, guys. Awesome stuff. Fascinating stuff. Love going over this stuff. Oh, love going over this. Oh, we will come back over. We will come back to this tomorrow. Going over more in chapter three. I'm excited to see what else is coming. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your patience. Have a fantastic rest of your evening. This is the podcast Sassafras. Good night.